Well, we're getting a chance to enjoy a look at Elijah. And with Elijah, we're back in 1 Kings 18. And I want to spend our time with a paragraph that I think is easy to run past. And yet uh, that paragraph in 1 Kings 18 is something that is referenced in the New Testament upon which very important theology about prayer uh, is set forward. A passage that we perhaps know pretty well comes from James 5 and verse 16. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again. Heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. And I think it's important that we get an understanding of what James is relating to by carefully looking at exactly what Elijah did that brought all this about regarding these prayers such that we will understand then what James is ultimately trying to get at. It's easy to read a passage like this and kind of think, okay, well, Elijah's a person like you, so go pray for it to not rain for three and a half years and go for it. Is that exactly what was intended by this? Or is there something more uh, that God is talking about through James to try to get us to communicate regarding prayer and regarding then our ability to access God in that way. So we're going to be spending our time in 1 Kings 18. You can turn your Bibles there, 1 Kings chapter 18. Again, as a refresher about uh, what we see in 1 Kings, we are on Mount Carmel at this moment. Uh, we have had a great victory that has been given at this moment where Elijah has called out to God and God has answered by fire, consumed the altar, consumed the wood, consumed the, the offering, uh, consumed, it says, even the dust and the water that was all around it, essentially obliterating the altar as God just rains it down with fire, showing that he is God. And the people have responded in that way. The people of Israel have said, the Lord is God. The prophets of Baal that had been sitting at Jezebel's table are now executed. But now that's not the end of the scene. We have a very interesting situation unfold. Remember, Ahab is there as well. And you'll notice in verse 41, we're told, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of rushing rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. This is an interesting start to what is about to unfold. First of all, you have Elijah telling Ahab, you might want to go ahead and get your meal in. We're going to be busy here in just a moment. It's about to rain. And it's important to frame why Elijah knows that. If you remember back in verse 1, you have God coming to Elijah and telling him, I want you, Elijah, to go to Ahab and tell him, 
it's going to rain. And so that's why Elijah is sent. After hiding for these three and a half years away from the presence of Ahab, he is now supposed to stand before him and tell him this news of rain. And so that's what you see then happening is Elijah now goes to Ahab and this whole scene is unfolded. And now Ahab, you need to go ahead and, hear, and eat and drink. I hear the sound of a mighty storm coming. I think we have a little sense of that today. Uh, get a little bit of what you're probably hearing out in the distance as Elijah says that. But notice this isn't just simply, okay, everybody go back to Jezreel. Let's all go back 17 mile journey back to Jezreel, or let's go back to Samaria or anything like that. Notice that Elijah goes back to the top of the mountain and he goes to God in prayer. And I think it's important to stop here for a minute and consider why is Elijah doing that? In particular, why is Elijah praying when God has already told him it's going to rain? That was verse one. Elijah, it's going to rain. And now Elijah's on the mountain and he's got his face down on the ground and he's bowed before the Lord and he is praying to God. But you would, would as you look at that, would go, well, why is he doing that? Why would that be the case? And I think it's an important question to ask because I think sometimes we run into that obstacle when we think about, well, why should I pray about something if I already know the outcome? You ever wonder that? You ever think that? I already know how it's all going to play out. I already know what the result is going to be. So why should I pray about that? And that's where Elijah's at right here is the outcome is determined. God said it's going to rain. But Elijah's on the mountain praying. And I want us to consider this from a few perspectives that frequently you will see God do things like this where he is telling his people the outcome and then asking them to pray about it. For example, a place we see that is in Ezekiel 36, where here the, the Lord says through the prophet Ezekiel, thus says the Lord God, I also will let the house of Israel ask me to do for them. It's interesting. I'm going to let Israel ask this of me to do this. To increase their people like a flock, like a flock for sacrifices, like a flock at Jerusalem during their appointed feasts. So shall their wasted cities be filled with flocks of people that I, then they will know that I am the Lord. Notice the curious way God frames that. He starts by saying, I'm going to let the people pray for this, that they will be as numerous as flocks. And then he goes on to say, my people are going to be as numerous as flocks. The wasted cities will just have people through them, and then they will know that I am the Lord. That seems like a curious thing to do. Why you just said you're going to have the people pray about something that's going to certainly come about no matter what. Maybe I should give you one that's in the New Testament that is certainly more classic that we'd be aware of. Here's Jesus in his model prayer. Our Father in heaven Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's take that apart for a minute. Jesus says, I want you to pray for God's kingdom to come. Was that going to come no matter what? Yes. Pray for God's will to be done. 
Is God's will going to be done no matter what? Yes. <laughs> so I want you to see something fascinating about what God does, that God has a vision of the way things are going to go. He has his plan and purposes. And yet in the fact that he has his plans and purposes, he wants his people to pray for that. He wants his people to pray for those things to arrive. And I find that absolutely fascinating that you see God saying that like through Jesus as he offers the prayer. God's kingdom is going to come, but you want to know what I want my people to be doing? I want them to be praying for that. And God's will is going to be accomplished, but I want my people to be praying for that to happen. Or to go back to what we looked at in Ezekiel 36. I'm going to make Israel as numerous as the flocks in these wasted cities after the destruction that Babylon will bring. But I want my people to pray for that. I want them to ask me of those things. And that is what I think is so important to see about what is happening here, even with Elijah. And as I think a very important aspect about the concept of prayer is that what God wants is for his people to be praying for to be looking for and proclaiming the arrival of God's plans and purposes. And it isn't just enough to say, well, I know it's going to happen, so we don't need to pray about that. What God is instructing us and in saying is, I know you know that's going to happen, and that's why I want you to pray for that. I want you to be looking for its arrival, anticipating those promises to come, and to be praying for those things. Why else would Jesus instruct his disciples to pray for things that were certainly going to happen? Except he's wanting us to be heralds of it. People proclaiming and looking for the very promises that God has made. That is what Elijah is doing. God has said it's going to rain. So Elijah, why are you on the mountain praying? Because he's praying for it to come. He's looking for its arrival and he's proclaiming it to Ahab. Get ready. It's going to happen. That's what Elijah's doing at this moment. In fact, you will notice that's how this plays out. Verse 43. Here he is on the ground praying on Mount Carmel. Verse 43. He said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. So he just imagine it. So Elijah's praying for this rain to come. And then he tells his servant, go look toward the sea. And if you see anything, let me know. And so the servant goes over there and looks. You can imagine Elijah's praying. The servant looks, comes back to Elijah, nothing. Verse 43, he said, go again. So for a second time, you can imagine the servant kind of gets, gets the vantage point, looks, comes back to Elijah. Nope. Elijah's still praying. Third time, servant looks. Notice the end of verse 43 says, seven times. <laughs> servant looks, they need the rain third time? No. Okay. Fourth time. Go look again. I don't know. I'm the servant. I'm going, no. <laughs> There's nothing out there. Fifth time, go look. Nope. Nothing there. Sixth time, go look. Servant, nope. Nothing there. Verse 44, and at the seventh time, he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go now, lest the rain stop you. 
I want you to see, not only do you see then Elijah getting ready for the rain by praying, even though God had said it was going to happen, but you see Elijah now pressing into this prayer again and again, that he's praying the will of God. God, you said it's going to rain, and so I'm going to pray for that to happen. But then after he does that, he's repeatedly praying for that to happen. I want you to think about what happens here that Elijah's praying on the mountain, send the servant to look. The first time nothing happens. No, I don't see anything. Does Elijah stop praying? Does Elijah say, well, you know, I guess it's not going to happen today. Let's all pack it up and go home. You know what? We'll, we'll try another time. I want you to see the persistence in what you have with Elijah as he prays. He doesn't leave the mountain. He doesn't quit praying. He doesn't give up. He prays again and then has his servant look. And then he prays again and has his servant look and prays again and has his servant look seven times. He keeps praying for God to send the rain and then sends the servant to look. And only then after the seventh time, Does the servant then come back and notify Elijah that, yes, I see this little cloud rising up. And Elijah's answer is, it's going to (laughs) pour. We need to get going. I think it is so powerful to see that he's repeatedly praying God's, God's will. He's repeatedly praying that God would answer this prayer over and over again, laying it out, which again reminds us even in praying for the will of God to be accomplished doesn't mean that God is going to answer those prayers immediately. And I know that this is a, a difficulty that we encounter when we are praying for something And we know it's God's will for this to come about. And it doesn't. And that's what's happening here even with Elijah. God, you said it's going to rain. And God, I'm praying for it to rain. And yet it's not raining. It is so important to see the persistence that you see in Elijah to keep praying and keep going back to God and realizing that just because it doesn't happen immediately doesn't mean that the prayer is not going to be answered. I hope that we would think about how many times God instructs us about the need to be aware that God takes a while sometimes in the way he's going to answer prayer. Why else would Jesus tell a parable in Luke chapter 18 where he says that the whole point of the parable is that so you would pray and not lose heart. That implies something. (laughs) If I have to teach you about not losing heart in your prayer life, then that implies God doesn't answer right away. Why else do you need to teach me to not lose heart or to become discouraged? Except that is going to be what's going to happen. That you are going to pray for things that are according to the will of God. And yet at the same time, not receive the answer you're looking for. This is why Paul is the one who says it the most. Be constant in prayer. Pray without ceasing. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Be watchful in it with 
thanksgiving. I believe this last one in Colossians 4.2 is exactly what Elijah is doing. Elijah is continuing steadfastly in prayer and he's watchful in it. He's just looking for it. Pray, God, you're gonna, you said it's going to rain. I'm praying for it to rain. Look, no, okay, I'm going to keep praying. Is it happening now? No, okay, then I'm going to keep praying. Continue steadfastly in prayer and being watchful in it, looking for its arrival. Elijah prays and then he looks and then he prays and then he looks. And I think this is such an important teaching for us about prayer is that this is what it looks like as we pray for the things of God. And you say, well, I don't see the cloud out there over the sea. Then keep praying and keep looking for its arrival as you keep praying. Pray again and look again and pray again and look again. And so God wants us to be persistent in our prayers. He wants us to keep pressing into him. And that leads to the, the final picture that's, that's given here as he looks for the rain in verse 45. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind. And there was a great rain and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. I, I want to see that when we get to heaven. That's such an amazing picture. And there goes Ahab off in his chariot. And then there goes Elijah running right past him. <laughs> this is amazing. It's the spirit of the Lord is upon Elijah at that moment. One of the final pictures you're seeing here on the scene is here God says it's going to rain. Now it's been over three years since it's rained. And what God does not do is go, okay, here's a little trickle. <laughs> but he is going to flood the place. He is going to answer with this overflowing blessing. And that's what Israel needs at the moment is that they need for this rain to come. And God loves to answer prayers with this overflowing blessing as he desires to pour this out on the people. And this major rainstorm then goes across the land as that's being depicted. And that's why earlier he told Ahab, you better get ready for this because it is going to rain like something else that you haven't seen. And this is what God is always trying to show us. Why should we pray? Because God's blessings come through prayer. This is how God operates. This is what God wants, that God wants us to pray and that blessings will come if we do that. Now, over and over again, you have God trying to show that to Israel as well as to show that to us. Even in this very book, God had tried to get Israel to understand that as the temple of Solomon is being dedicated. One of the important things that is stated again and again to Israel is whatever the circumstances were that they were facing, what they needed to do was turn toward the temple and pray to God. That's what he wanted. This is so important. When the heavens are shut up and there's no rain because they have sinned against you, if they pray to this place, 
And they acknowledge their sin, acknowledge their name and turn from their sin when you afflict them. Then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people, Israel, when you teach them the good way in which they should walk and grant rain upon your land, which you have given to your people as an inheritance. Here is God trying to communicate to us that his blessings will come through prayer and that Solomon is teaching the people when your difficulties arise. This is one of many instances that are given in this chapter. But here's one of the instances. Here's the instance. It stops raining for a really long time. What should Israel do? Pray. You should be praying to God. You have a calamity, you have a difficulty, you have a disaster, you have any kind of situation. God is always saying, pray. Why? It's the way that God's going to bring his blessings about. This is what Elijah is picturing for us in this sequence. Is even though these things were promised by God, he wanted his people to pray. Because that would be the mechanism by which these blessings would come about. So let's talk about a little bit about the idea here of what is going on with James as he looks back at this paragraph and he makes this declaration, Elijah is a person just like us. And I think it's so important of what James is putting his finger on. Because it is easy to read 1 Kings 18 and go, well, Elijah was a prophet. He's somebody special. He could outrun chariots. And so, you know, he's not like us. And so we can't have any kind of parallel. There's no comfort here. And so, you know, Elijah is just in a special category. And I want you to see that God is saying, no, Elijah's not in a special category. That's not the takeaway from when you look at what happens in in 1 Kings 18 is to think, well, this is something unusual. This is something crazy. And so this could never happen in regards to us. But what I do want you to see Elijah is doing is that Elijah is praying according to God's will. And I think that's very important to see of what's happened here. He is directly praying what the will of the Lord is. Elijah is not on the mountain praying, Lord, I could really use a new camel. Um, You know, mine's not as fast as the new one that just came out. And so could you give me a new camel? He's not looking at things in terms of selfish desires or whims. That's not the idea. In fact, James one chapter earlier said, God's not answering your prayers because what you're praying for is to spend it on your own selfish desires. So he can't be coming a a chapter later and say, hey, look at Elijah. You know, sky's the limit. Go Ferrari and then you're going to be just fine. He's praying according to the will of God. And I think that becomes very clear when we back up even a little bit in 1 Kings 18. And think about what we saw on Mount Carmel a week ago. Remember, after the prophets of Baal have failed in getting their false God to answer on the mountain and to light the altar on fire. And Elijah, after he gets the altar doused and it is just flowing with water. Think about what Elijah says. In verse 36 of 1 Kings 18. 
O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. His prayer is all about God being recognized for who he is and receiving the glory that ought to come from that. In fact, that's how he goes on to talk about that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. It's not me on a whim having challenges on mountains. I've done everything just as you have told me to do. Verse 37, answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God. And that you have turned their hearts back. In a lot of our studies that we've gone through, especially like back in Exodus and and Numbers and Deuteronomy, we hit on this and it's worth coming back around and hitting it again. We observed with Moses how many times his prayer was shrouded in the desire for God to be glorified. Over and over he is praying. And when he prays for things to happen, he is praying that it would happen so that God would be glorified, that the people would understand that the Lord is God. And that is what Elijah is doing as he offers this prayer, is he is laying it out in such a way as like, Lord, I want this people here to know that you are God. And the same thing is happening here as he prays for this rain. I want God to be glorified in this. I want Israel to understand that there is only one God. And that I want Ahab to understand that that this is by the will of God. And when we talk about then what James is saying to us about the power of prayer, it is important to keep the connection That we are praying not only in the idea of according to God's will. And I mean far more than just saying, if it be your will. (laughs) Praying and then tacking on that phrase. But really understanding the kingdom of God and God's plans and purposes and wanting those things to be accomplished. And to be accomplished in a way that the what we are praying for, that that's why God would act. I don't know if you've sensed that in 2020. As we've prayed here over and over again, the prayer that I have put forward to you has been again and again. God, do something about this covid Not because we all want to live live long lives and not be sick. So that you are glorified. Do something so that everybody will look to you and go, ah, we need to follow God. That's how the people in the Bible pray. That is how they look at God and go, God, I want you to do something like this so that people will know that this is you. And sometimes we might think, well, that's a very narrow scope. But please think about how far reaching that is. 
whatever your prayer concern, your difficulty, whatever is on your mind and on your heart, how God can answer that for his glory can be a very powerful testimony to the world around you, to your sphere of influence. That it's not just me simply saying, God, I'm in a bit of a pickle here and I'm really tired of suffering. Can you make it all better? But God, would you do something in this moment so that I can praise you about how you rescued me and how you helped me out and I will let them know. How many Psalms do that? How many Psalms are praying like that? I mean, you have, like David saying, you know, if I die, who's going to praise you? So keep me alive so I can keep proclaiming your name and you can be glorified. And I think that's the essence of what James is getting at, is that we would truly put our prayer life with a vision of God being glorified through us, through what we are experiencing. God, do something. Blow the doctors away because they said there's no way. But God, we know you can do it and we want you to be glorified. So stun them. Do something great. And we will tell everybody it was you because humans couldn't figure out the answer to that one. Things like that. That, I think, is the power of saying, hey, Elijah is a person just like you. Pray for the glory of God. Pray for his will to be accomplished. Seek that out. Yes, pray big things, but not in terms of a mere selfish perspective, but how the kingdom can advance and that God can be glorified. One more thing. I think there's one more picture in this text. And this is why I'm grateful for our Wednesday night studies where we can explore, because this would be Sermon 2, and I don't have that much time. But I want you to notice one more picture. I want us to see that Elijah is on the mountain in both of these pictures in regards to the fire coming down and in regards to the rain And what you see Elijah doing is praying to the Lord on behalf of the people of Israel. That you see in Elijah him interceding. He is going between Israel and God and he is on that mountain. Lord, the people need the rain. Send the rain. Ask the service, happened yet? No. Keep praying interceding for the people. It is a beautiful picture that is given to us where Elijah here looks so much like Moses who is on the mountain pleading for his people on behalf of them in the very presence of God on his face before God pleading on their behalf. And we have seen over and over again these pictures in Moses and now in Elijah trying to show us We need a righteous one who will plead on our behalf, who can go into the presence of God and say, the people need you to intervene. The people need your grace and mercy. The people need you to act. That's what Elijah is doing. That's what Elijah is working as this prophet. And I'll end with, the words of the Apostle Paul who gave us that very same picture. Romans 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? 
If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? I mean, just stop and freeze on that. If he gave his son, is there something he's going to hold back then? No. Since he's graciously given us his son, then he will certainly graciously give us all things. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. You have somebody in the very presence of God, actively interceding on your behalf. I love how the writer of Hebrews words it when he says he ever lives to make intercession for us. Elijah's picturing that, going before God and is able to give us then what we need. And so pray with a powerful prayer to God Because you have someone who's interceding for you and God is asking for those prayers, but to be persistent in praying according to God's will so that God would be glorified in our lives this very day. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, It is amazing that you even give us this vehicle to access you and this amazing tool by which we can make our requests known to you. And Lord, I pray that as we've looked at your servant, Elijah, that it encourages our prayer life. And Lord, that you would remind our hearts that we are able to pray big things and small things before you, that nothing is outside the bounds of what you want us to come to you with. Help us to never forget that. And more importantly, Lord, please help us to always remember that the most important thing in this world is that you be honored. And that we would live our lives in such a way so that you would be even glorified all the more in how we live and in what we say and what we do. Lord, forgive us for when we have attempted to use you in selfish ways. Forgive us when our prayers have not been for what is in your plan and purpose, not according to your will. And not desiring the power of your kingdom to forcefully continue through this world. And Lord, we pray that not only you forgive us of that, but, but Lord, that you would just put that within our minds. That our prayers would always be bound around the idea that you be glorified in what happens. And so, Lord, with all the things that we have going on in this world and going on in our lives, it is our prayer that you answer our prayers and it's our prayer that you would do so so that you would be glorified. Lord, we deal with a 
a virus and and lord we thank you that you have provided solutions for us now and lord we pray that that would be honor to you that people would see that you are been answering our prayer in regards to this pandemic and lord there's always people on our list who are suffering who are sick who have diseases and illnesses Lord, we pray for you to act in those very lives and to do things in healing so that honor would be given to you. So, Lord, we pray that all things would be done so that your name would be honored on earth just as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.